Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to the Afternoon Commute with John Adams and Chris Kendall. Welcome to the Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is 9-9-16. you'd like to hear previous episodes of the Afternoon Commute, you can go to hoaxbustercall.com and you'll see those posted up there alongside the most recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various articles and videos and special reports. Some of those are original in nature, so make sure you check those out. For any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall.com today. Chris, it's been a while since we've done an AC. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good uh, after our uh, month-long hiatus there. Um feel refreshed. Um, and, yes, I had some uh, family business go on, which um, maybe I'll talk about at another time, um, but not today. Uh, today, we are going to, as we do on a yearly basis around this time, we're going to talk about 9-11. Right. Now, I think we, I think we always have a 9-9-16. We always have a, oh, I did, yes. Actually, so 9-9-16, so we have three nines, because six is actually nine upside down, and then we have a one, or, you know, but, but see, here's the thing. When you turn the six upside down and you get a nine, then you have three nines, right? Uh, that's yeah, right, yeah. But, but then you turn the nines upside down and you have six, so it's actually six, six, six. Oh, right. Do you in the sixth? Right, okay. But you lose the one and you don't carry it. But then, it's okay because the one's there to represent the eleven, so it's nine eleven, but it's also six six six. Okay. Glad we got all that out of the way. Right. Yeah, that's good. So always to break it down. Five yes. numbers. So and it's yeah. you know it's the 850th day since the start of the Civil War. So <laughs> there's that correlation as well. That was only 850 days ago. Wow. Seems just like yes. yesterday. Civil War. No. Well. See, Chris, I mean, history's been altered. You you thought it was a, mo- a lot longer time ago than it actually was. Yeah, well, revisionist, right? <laughs> re, re, actually, now you, you were doing some re-revision, re-revisionist history. I, I'm doing re-re-revisionist history. Yeah, just one step further. Basically, 
it's postmodernist re-revisionist history. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Well, so yeah, that's, that's it, good. That makes sense. Anyways, the height of postmodernism is uh, is basically having a reality that doesn't exist, and when you get into the realm of the mass media. Uh, that's when you have to start questioning reality. Unfortunately for many folks out there, um, mass media is their reality, not part of their reality. Whereas someone like Chris or myself, I only consider mass media or media in general just to be part of my reality. It's something that doesn't overwhelm my entire day. Um, I'm guessing uh, that's the way your day kind of goes well, Chris. Uh, right, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't watch any television at all. I don't have a television, so I get but, everything secondhand generally. Right. But in order to be able to do an afternoon commute or a Monday night hoax busters call, you have to get engaged in some form of mass media to be able to, uh, keep up the date on some, some area of what it is we're going to talk about. And so, um, so one of the things that you've discussed multiple times over uh, so eloquently, uh, one of the things I like about what you discuss uh, by yourself is um, is how uh, the mass media in and of itself is a manipu- like foundationally is manipulative, right? And one thing that we've discussed before is like that mass media doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Um, that would be a two-hour discussion in and of itself why that wouldn't be a bad thing. But since its founding, its foundation, it's it's been bad overall. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but the way that it's been implemented and the way that uh, we know it to, to work, it hasn't been good. And um, 9-11... Uh, for a lot of people, I was just looking at a USA Today earlier, and what they were talking about, um, you could probably find this online, uh, Chris. It was uh, USA Today's uh, headline today is um, that for uh, for 9-11, uh, younger people, like they don't get it. They, they don't feel the impact of it. But for some, it's still raw. Still raw, yeah still raw still and so they show you on the they have a huge massive picture of the uh, building there with a big fireball coming out of it on the cover of the newspaper and um, as Lynn and Honor has talked about many times over that this is all part of the um, reconditioning of you to relive 9-11 over and over and over again and I'm sure that this weekend will be no different uh, than that. But this is going to be an interesting one, uh, particularly uh, because of the political cycle that will be coming up. And not that that hasn't happened before, but in this particular, um, uh, what's the spectacle that is this particular political cycle? Um, the uh, the agitation of the average voter slash uh, you know person uh, is at a heightened degree because of the uh, elements that have been going on in this 
uh, particular uh, political uh, uh, boxing match. And so one thing that whether, you know, whether Hillary Clinton or uh, Donald Trump gets in office doesn't, make any di- doesn't really make any difference. I personally would rather have Donald Trump just because he's, he's fun. He's more of a fun guy. And he's got a better looking daughter than Hillary Clinton does. So um, that's the only re- real reason for him to be in office for me personally. Yeah, it brings more to the table entertainment-wise, I think. Anybody who's listening to Chris and I on a regular basis know that, you know, when we were younger, we liked wrestling a lot, and Donald Trump was in wrestling. Hillary Clinton wasn't. Right. So, So, yeah, yeah. So, if if you're involved with wrestling, I'm good. I mean, let's just, I mean, if Dusty Rhodes ran for president, I would vote for Dusty Rhodes. Wouldn't you vote for Dusty Rhodes? Oh, well, yeah, I would probably. If Dusty Rhodes, if Dusty Rhodes ran as president, I would, I would register to vote. Uh, yeah, I probably would too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know Jeff, if I would if like Jesse Ventura ran for president, but I probably no, because would vote Jesse, for him just because he's a, he was a wrestler. But see, Jesse Ventura has a political, you know, he has a political background. If Dusty Rhodes just ran on the sole fact that he used to be a wrestler and he had nothing to do with politics, like he, he just got up there and said, you know, I'm going to be quite honest, I don't really, what we should do, I should probably do the Dusty Rhodes voice. You see, if I, if, if, if I don't know much about politics, I'm just a wrestler. So I'm going to uh, just get up here and say, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wrestler, and that's why I'm running for president. Then I would vote for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know much about politics. He doesn't, he doesn't know much about history, but he knows how to, uh, you know, body slam you and, you know, do a uh, big elbow off the top ropes. Yeah, and that's what. That's what counts. That's what counts. And so Donald Trump has that going on. He's, you know, we, you posted him, you know, um, giving Vince McMahon a haircut. And, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, he shaved Vince McMahon's head. He shaved him bald. And, uh, and one of the other things that we discussed recently in private, you and I, is the uh, cultural phenomenon of the um, – the news being uh, being taken not so seriously, newscasters. Um, there is a trend if people aren't aware of it of of people seeing live news broadcasts like local stuff. Um, even even uh, one of them was on Good Morning America. But um, there is a really uh, offensive statement that someone will uh, run up into a behind the news camera and. Uh, Say out loud in the background while they're shoot while they're trying to shoot local stuff, and uh, basically it's uh, abbreviated uh, "f her right in the p." Okay, and it's not that I like that type of language or that I think that's great or wonderful, but what it is is it's offensive, and it. There is a disdain for the news. There is a there is a reverence for the news that has gone away, 
where people don't take it seriously. And the funny thing is, is the, is the newscasters, because they take themselves so seriously in their ridiculous positions of reporting on non-news and things that don't matter at all, uh, getting angry, so, so furious or so, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just heard that. When literally like television shows and movies are riddled with this type of language, but yet if you say it on a live news broadcast, oh my God, it's so offensive, right? Right. And so you have this like double standard, obviously the news tries to act like they're so, um, they try to act like they're so, uh, pure and innocent when they have these part women um, dolled up there to go out there and report you swilled garbage that substitute for news. And it's not that there ever was news to begin with, but, but see, I always feel bad for people. I don't ever think people are sheeple. I don't think that people are stupid or anything like that. People have been dumbed down on purpose. They've been victimized. And they've been victimized by the news. So it took a long time to condition people to accept this. So it's not the people. I don't even think that the average Fox News watcher or CNN watcher, I don't hold them accountable for anything. And it's the same thing with 9-11. I don't hold the average person out there who believes in that myth accountable for that myth. And even though um, you and I have discussed this before, I might say like, okay, if someone believes that official story, you know, that's, you know, that's that's an unfortunate thing, and um, they probably need to stop watching the fake news. But at the same time, it's not their fault, because they've been duped, and they've been conditioned through years and years and years leading up to that event to believe that that event was real. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you recently discussed uh, fake news with Tim Kelly, and uh, you did a great job on that. Um, I want to uh, say that you did a really good job over there. Oh, and you. and so fake news in of itself, nine eleven at least in the this century is the king of fake news, and uh, because it's been discussed so many times, we don't ever get around to discussing it, but. Just like, let's just take the prima facie type stuff with 9-11, like that, um, the, you know, just the stuff that, you know, 9-11 truthers might talk about, uh, that, you know, bin Laden was in the cave. Um, well, let's take bin Laden. Like, do we know that there was a bin Laden for, for a fact? Whether he even existed? Yeah, we don't really... We don't even really know that Bin Laden existed. And right. even if he yeah. did exist, even if there was this guy who was part of the Bin Laden family and he took on this acting role of some sort of um, Muslim terrorist with the turban and the beard and the whole bit, he himself was not a real Muslim leader, terrorist, slash whatever. He came from a completely and totally westernized um, billionaire family. I mean, it would be the equivalent, and and I use this because uh, it would be it would be like George Bush getting a beard and a turban and going out in the desert and leading Muslims around. Right. Yeah. 
that's what the Bin Laden fan, I mean, the Bin Laden construction uh, firm, which we've talked about before, uh, I've even heard people say, I don't know that this was actually true, but I heard, I've read things before saying that the Bin Laden construction firm was used in the building of the Twin Towers. Which, <laughs> well, true, I heard too that um, Osama Bin Laden was responsible for bombing the barracks in, uh, uh, what was it, Kuwait or something like that. And uh, yeah, the Bin Laden construction company uh, rebuilt the barracks. <laughs> oh, yeah, several different, you know, so called terrorist attacks. Uh, Bin Laden family rebuilds. I'm not sure about that. I mean, uh, about that. Uh, I've heard some stuff to that effect. Right, and and I mean, it, even if that's even if that's true, it makes a lot of sense. Um, which you know, that that's one thing that not only uh, the powers that be like to, but it's you know, in part of the uh, Freemasonic. Uh, the you know the allegorical realm of the Freemasonic belief is that you destroy, rebuild, destroy, rebuild, destroy, rebuild, right? Yeah, when you hear the saying "out with the old, in with the new," that's supposedly Masonic. That's right. It's and it's you know it's the it's the phoenix bird, you know, out of out of the uh, ashes rises the new, all that type of stuff. So that's. And uh, for anybody who's not familiar with this type of stuff, you can just look at the Twin Towers. The Twin Towers uh, were destroyed on purpose, uh, not by planes, not by space beams, um, not by uh, anything else, but just regular old controlled demolition. Uh, No thermite was probably, I I doubt thermite was used in it. Thermite, thermite, whatever it was, uh, Stephen Jones used to talk about back in the day. you get all these wild uh, theories out there where you have, you know, there has to be some extreme level of of something to be able to bring these towers down. It's like, no, it was a it was a controlled demolition, just like they control demolition anything else, just like any other building. Right. And I wasn't there, obviously. You weren't there, obviously. But uh, whatever did happen that day, we've actually never really seen it. I think that's one thing that we know, or that at least that we can speculate, that we've never actually seen what that demolition really looked like because the footage itself is highly suspect of being altered and uh, computer graphicized. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I think my own personal belief is that what we saw that day, no matter what footage it is, it's CGI. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that, that's why I say I think. But here's the thing. I don't know for a fact. But all of the stuff is highly highly suspect. I mean, like, Chris, you have a lot more uh, background with computer graphics uh, than I do. Um, me not knowing much at all, but um, can you just talk about how the possibility of like the backgrounds changing from like different video footage would be highly improbable on like something that was shot like regular, like all the different colors in the background of the of the uh, buildings. Well, you're supposed to be looking at broadcast quality footage. 
and it 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 the, all the video from that day is uh really low quality in appearance and um yeah you'll see the different uh You'll see one video where it's like this orange, uh, orangish yellow cast over the whole, uh, and then another different one with it's like a blue. Uh, I don't, I don't have any ideas on what the technical reasons for that are, but, uh, whatever the case, that's, that's not reflective. I mean, if you just think about what broadcast quality video has, what typifies it, I mean, you, you don't have, color aberrations and and uh really uh what what appeared to be like haze on a perfectly clear sunny day you know you don't have those anomalies in in broadcast quality footage it just doesn't that's that's not something that you're going to see with that level of you know fidelity with a with a camera it's just not not something you're going to see but for some reason on 911 that's what we saw and um I, that to me that indicates that yeah there's no doubt something going on with with the manipulation of of the footage and uh but then again too I don't have any ideas on what you know specifically that is as far from a technical standpoint but I I think it it definitely speaks to some well I think another thing too that you could look at would be if you took all the broadcast footage and which, which what uh, Simon Shack did on September Clues and um, if you put in September Clues jackpot, I think that's the one that goes into that where it's like, yeah, all the imagery is like the same footage. It's like all, all the different uh, media outlets, CNN, NBC, ABC, were broadcasting the same footage at the same time. It's, it's that, that is not any that is totally that's completely atypical of what what's normal so yeah why why was that well they i mean obviously they're drawing from one source or one feed and you know again what are the technical reasons I, i'm not sure but is that something that you're is normal uh especially in it's in a city like new york city where you know it's, it's basically like a media hub all the media outlets have um you know, uh, what is it? Affiliates there with their different, you know, local news broadcast stations and all that. Yeah. And guess what? They have cameras. They have broadcast quality cameras. And if, if you think that they couldn't get out on the scene and, and have, uh, you know, all kinds of different footage from all kinds of different angles and standpoint at, at a broadcast quality, you know, but we didn't see that. Like, where, where is that? You know, it was a very, but, but see now, if you're invoking fakery and you're vo- invoking synthetic imagery, it makes sense. You know, they were they, everything was economized down to one uh, centralized source, and then you, you know that's uh, has a lot of explanatory power for what you actually see. Now, if but yeah, if what what was presented is not congruent with reality, and let's put it that way. Yes. And so the connection that I was making with the earlier thing about the mention mentioning of the disdain for the media is that um, I've had a disdain and distaste for media for a long time. Um, 
even back when I was, you know, thought, thought myself very uh, informed about politics back when I used to watch, you know, hours and hours of C-SPAN or something like that, um, which I know you've, you've had that same time period in your life as well. And I'm sure a lot of listeners who get into politics and get into learning about things do that. You oversaturate yourself with media, watching every news thing, getting updated on the most recent thing. Um, but you start to get it. Eventually you come to a point to where um, you start having, you're watching something and you're getting angry so often because you're watching this because these people uh, are are talking about things that are intended to anger a certain type of person. Okay. And, and no matter which side of the political, we talked about this before, this is something that doesn't get mentioned very often. Um, I think really the only place I hear people discuss it is me and you. And that is that when, when Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump comes out and says something, there's a two, it's a double-edged sword. They know that it's going to, they're aware of the fact that it's going to appeal to a certain person, and at the same time, it is going to make another person angry. Uh-huh. So they're aware of both sides of the state. Okay? So someone may think, oh, he said that because, or she said that because that appeals to somebody. But actually, they're aware of the fact that this is going to make somebody angry, and that in and of itself is part of is part of making a statement as well, knowing full well that the opposition will be created from that statement, right? Uh-huh. And so media does this as well when they have um, overtly biased news. Right. Um, for the most part, the the media is what you would call liberal, um, not not in the sense that most people believe themselves to be quote unquote liberal, but the liberal media that's something that gets thrown around. So it is overtly Democrat, and you have to, you know, even um, you, you know, even when you watch Fox News, like they're not technically a conservative outlet either, right? Right. Like what you like what people might believe themselves to be conservative, but they but a lot of people who watch that might uh, make exceptions because they call themselves a conservative outlet to an extent or you know, whatever it may be, they, they go along with more of the views of that type of person watching. Um but once you become aware that the media in and of itself, whether it's on the lower level, uh, either Democrat or Republican or right wing or left wing, um, all of it at the same time starts making you mad. And and then I myself, I, I've talked about this before, but I started to have a disdain for the newscasters because I started thinking to myself, I'm all, okay, how could someone like Diane Sawyer not be not know that 9/11 was an inside job? Well, she gets paid what fourteen million a year or something like that. Right. So, right. So, 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 um, 
you're telling me that these these journalists, you know, all these journalists, all these newscasters, they're, they're supposed to be journalists. They went to school for journalism. You know, they got their, you know, they got their degrees and all that stuff. All, all, you know, all the schooling, all the, all the nonsense that goes along with it. And yet, this glaring thing they can't figure it out. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah that's ridiculous, right? Um, and and like you've said in the past, like if you could just point out like one thing about about uh, one anomaly. That that shatters the entire thing, right? You you pointed that out with JFK. So if you can point out one one thing with nine eleven, you you know you made the point on Tim Kelly's thing where, uh, you know, if you could just point out Building Seven, that that shatters the whole thing. Yeah, it, unless, you know, there's no plausible, even remotely rational explanation for that, you know, and 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 it's and it's pretty bizarre because. You know, there's no rational explanation forthcoming, and you have just like the National Institute, uh, the NIST, uh, you know, declaration that it was, oh, it was fire in the building, and that's what brought it down, which is actually preposterous. It's something that's totally unprecedented and doesn't happen, uh, but then they're going to tell you that it happened, and then... That's that's just supposed to be the end of it, you know. Well, here's the here's the experts telling you that something happened that is essentially impossible, and that's what stands. And then, you know, to this day, it's like if you uh, even question it on, on certain in, in certain spheres, like in the political sphere or something like that. Like Hillary Clinton just got through making a statement about Donald Trump's association with Alex Jones, and then. Uh, and then part of, part of, you know, the guilt by association connection she was making, she, she talks about, oh, well, you know, Dallas Jones thinks 9-11 was an inside job or, you know, he actually thinks that 9-11 was not what the, uh, you know, official story says it was. And, and which is, which that statement right there is completely insane. That is completely insane. I mean, if you believe the official story of 9-11, or let's say you do believe it, but you don't think that there's any questions that are open as far as what went down, you know, then either you are totally out of it, you know, you don't have any cognitive ability to speak of much, uh, or, you know, you're, you're just in complete denial, but, um, that's, I mean, that's where we're at with this stuff. I mean, it's, it's so, and that's something that I rant and rave about. It's like, you know, about politics and the, the typical average everyday political banner that gets thrown around. It's that it is completely out of touch with reality. They might, you might as well be listening to a couple of schizophrenics just talking random uh, bullshit, you know, just, you know, about, you know, how, I, I don't know, I mean, just something just totally nonsensical as to be just incoherent. Because that's where that's where the political discussion re- resides and remains. It's just completely outside of reality. It's completely in some fantasy realm, some fictional realm. Yes, I agree. And I would say on on top of that, that 
that you have um that when you when you, when you hear this stuff and when you hear when you hear this through the mainstream media or the mass media in and of itself, whether it be Alex Jones or whether it be uh Fox News or Hillary Clinton or whoever it is, okay, you are receiving an overlay on top of reality, right? So, so there is what really happened, right? Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's like the old. There's an old saying. Uh, I've, I've read it in, in books before. It's like it's like uh, facts are not truth. Okay. Facts are not proof. Uh-huh. No, well, facts are not truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, but so you can have as many facts as you want. You can have the same facts. Let's just say uh, it's a fact that uh, the buildings fell on nine eleven. Okay, that is a fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that does not equal truth about it. Right. And and yeah, and, no. and so. So, so you can rattle off facts about anything all day long. You say, "Oh, well, you know, Bin Laden, you know, was this, and he was a CIA operative, and uh, you know, Bush knew, and uh, all of the other things that have gone through." Here, here's the facts about this. Oh, there was put options on the United Airlines or whatever, you know, whatever. All those facts, but they do not equal the truth about what happened that day, and and um, and then. So what happens within because truth will be very hard to uh, or, or impossible actually truth will be impossible to to uh, be assessed even by you or I because we'll never know the truth about what actually really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that that paves the way like that paves the way for anybody to get up there and paint a fake reality over what what it was that actually did happen because Hillary Clinton doesn't know what happened. Alex Jones doesn't know what happened, but, but there's a painting of the reality. Oh, this is what happened. So you have people telling me, Chris and I have both qualified what we talk about saying, we don't know what actually really happened, but here's what we think. Right. But see reality gets painted over and, and someone's going to tell you, oh, that's what's going to happen. And, yeah, if you ask questions about it, then you're crazy because this is what happened. Okay? And this happens so with so many things out there. Like, if, if you're engaged with mass media, then you are being told the truth, quote-unquote, about everything through the mass media. Now, um... I believe Chris and I have talked about this before, but see, it would be even hard for me to tell the truth about what actually happened uh, as I as I've been driving. Okay, if I saw an accident while I was driving and I told, I said, "Well, Chris, I just saw this accident. Here's what happened." That would be the truth from what I saw, and I would be honest about it, I would be telling you honestly what I saw, but that might not be really what happened. Yeah. 
you'd say, oh, I saw this guy and he hit this car, right? Um, well, from my perspective, that's what it looked like. But maybe in reality, that's not really what happened. Maybe he, the other car hit him. And and so um, so based off of that, and I, I brought this up before about how Gregory Bateson kind of talks about this, that perception, that being able to man, um, we've talked about ma- managing and manipulating perception and how that's the biggest, you know, the, basically the biggest thing. But if you're able to know that, if if you're a culture creator, culture controller, if you are, are, are already aware of the fact that foundationally um, it's always about perception management, then that is the starting point of being able to build a story and a myth within culture. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't matter what really happened. It doesn't matter what what really went down. And the and media, the, the news media and, and entertainment on top of it, because entertainment uh os, through osmosis accepts reality. So it's like if, if you're watching a movie and there's some sort of nine eleven reference, it's not gonna be a nine eleven it's gonna it's gonna be a nine eleven reference that lines up with the official story. So if you're watching a television show and there's some reference to 9-11, it's always going to be contained within the realm of, oh, that's, you know, of the official narrative. Yeah, and it always it always goes that way with media, especially, is that officials, or now they refer to them as authorities. They don't even say officials anymore. If you notice now, it, it went from, uh, it went from, it used to be, anyone in the government or from a, in a capacity to, uh, you know, to be uh, in a you know, PR position or something like that, you know, according to officials, um, this happened. But then now they say according to authorities, and there's been that subtle shift recently. But what what it, what it tells you is that okay authority or authentication it's just that the implication is there always that whatever comes out of their mouth is like is tantamount to a fact in and of itself it's not that it, it, it doesn't need verification it doesn't need uh critical analysis or anything it's just if it comes out of an authority by definition, by the word authority, it is authentic. It's authenticated by the fact that it came from an authority. It's sort of a tautology. It's like self-referential, uh, you know, fact-finding with the media. That's the way it operates. It's that, yeah, it, you know, authorities say, um, so, yeah, it's no longer officials. It's authorities. So, yeah, built into that is the implication that, uh, or the inference that, what what is forthcoming is authentic. It's been authenticated. It's, it's from an authority. It's an authoritative source. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have seen that shift away. Um, and yeah, they are they are the authorities when it comes to this reality, because because. It's a, it's a very subtle thing. It's, it's a, kind of hard to describe. I, I felt like I wasn't doing it justice there when I was just talking about it. But you see, 
it's like if you have this um you have this thing that's accepted by everybody you know um like an official story of some sort whether it be 911 or whatever and then if you're in a in a place like a business you know you're at your job or you're at a party or something and you start talking outside of that official story then there is a bizarre psychological like thing that takes place. Now you've gone to a different, you're moving into uncomfortable territory, territory psychologically for the, for the average person who is not cognitively aware. They're not even cognitively aware that they're in a culture. They're not cognitively aware that, that there's a mass media. They exist in a world where, um, like when they, you know, engage their smartphone or their computer screen, like they're, they they don't think about like all of the HTML and the cascading style sheets that go into making that work. They have no, they're, they're into, they're, they're basically subjected to the magic of technology. Right. Right. And, And so, so they exist in that world of mass media where it's, it's the trough that the, you know, that everybody eats out of and it's just there to partake of. So they never think outside that realm. And when you start talking about something like that, it, 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 it's very uncomfortable and you notice the uncomfortability. You notice, um, uh, that type of thing. And, And the thing that's interesting about that is, is when you look, like I was referencing, you know, with the entertainment, how it's in the background, it's just background noise that there's, you know, you know, it's like, it's like a cop show. I'll, I'll give you an example. Like you're watching a cop show and the cop show has, you know, militarized police on it. Mm-hmm. And somebody accepts it in their subconscious so that still to this day, watching those police shows and you have militarized police with, with weapons and black uniforms and ski masks and the whole bit, you accept when you're watching that television show in your subconscious, you know that it's because of 9-11 that the cops look that way on the show. Because in a previous time period, you wouldn't have accepted a cop to look that way. Right. You see you see what I'm saying? So it's in the mm-hmm. background. It's in your subconscious that this is why this is. And, and so in entertainment or, you know, if you see something on, on a, um, on uh, the news and, and, you know, they're doing, uh, you know, Homeland security uh, is, you know, be- beefing up at the airport because of nine 11 or whatever it may be. Uh, they don't even have to suggest nine 11. It's just even if it's even if it's not around even if it's not September 11th even if it's you know if it's you know July 28th or whatever it's beefing up beefing up Homeland Security at the airport is not even questioned in your subconscious because you already know why that why it is. Mm-hmm. So most people walk around engaged with a background that has been implanted into them through mass media as to why things happen. They don't have to question it. They don't have to wonder why it's just there because, because since nine 11, 
you had all of that, all of the cultural things reinforcing it to the point to where now you don't have to ask questions about it. You don't have to think twice. Okay. Now, now let me read something real quick. And, um, and I just want to say that Chris and I have been uh, meaning to put out a second part to the, uh, HBC punk rock uh, series uh, that we're doing. Um, and we've come up against some technical difficulties uh, every single time we try to do that for some reason. I don't know why. I'm a little suspicious at this point, but uh, we'll just say that every single time we try to do one of these talks, uh, something technically goes wrong. <laughs> Te- technically catastrophic. Like, yeah, it's just bizarre the way the problems just pop up whenever we try to talk about that. I don't know what that is, but it doesn't appear like we're having any problems having our discussion about this. So, um, yeah, interesting. Um, but uh, one of the guests that we were uh, going to have on um, that particular talk is a gentleman named Nino. And uh, Nino sent me um, uh, Guy Debard's uh, Society uh the uh, Spectacle Society. And um, I just want to read this because uh, this is uh, what we uh, deal with on a daily basis. And uh, even though I don't agree with the uh, Marxist uh, Guy Debar and all that type of stuff, uh, he has a good insight right here. And uh, actually that entire, I I would definitely recommend people go read that, the uh, Society of the Spectacle. Uh, it does have a lot of good insights into it. But here's what he says. He says, By means of the spectacle, the ruling order discourses endlessly upon itself and uninterrupted monologues of self-praise. The spectacle is the self-portrait of power in the age of power's totalitarian rule over the conditions of existence. The fetishistic appearance of pure objectivity in spectacular relationships conceal their true character as relationships between human beings and between classes. A second nature thus seems to impose inescapable laws upon our environment. Okay, so what he's saying there is that there's a superimposed nature through the spectacle, you know, which part of the spectacle would be mass media. There's a superimposed nature on top of real nature. Okay, and that is what he refers to as the spectacle. But the spectacle is by no means the inevitable outcome of a technical development perceived as natural. On the contrary, the society of the spectacle is a form that chooses its own technical content. If the spectacle understood in the limited sense of those mass media that are its most stultifying superficial manifestation seems at times to be invading society in the shape of a mere apparatus. It should be remembered that this apparatus has nothing neutral about it and that it answers precisely to the needs of the spectacle's internal dynamics. If the social requirements of the age, which develops such techniques, can be met only through their mediation, if the administration of the society and all contact between people now depend on the intervention of such instant communication, It is because this communication is essentially one way. The concentration of the media thus amounts to the monopolization by the administrators of the existing system of the means to pursue their particular form of administration. The social cleavage that 
the spectacle expresses is inseparable from the modern state. A good one. Yeah. And he's he's absolutely correct. He's absolutely correct that, that, that what he refers to as the spectacle is a superimposed thing by the state, the mass media. It's all one. It's all one thing. Of course, we all know that. Um, but that it, in, in and of itself, it's self-empowering. Uh, it's, it's the um, it's the Oribus, you know, the self-eating snake, but but out of eating itself, it becomes powerful. Like, it, it, and that's kind of like what 9-11 was too, is a self-inflicted wound, uh, at least so we thought. We thought it was a real thing, but it wasn't real at all. There was no planes. There was no uh, deaths involved with that. So so it's a spectacle. It, it's, it's like a simulacra spectacle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like when you say something like that, well, you know, like no, no one died, no one got hurt. It was pure spectacle. Now, that's that's what I tend to believe. And of course, to reiterate that, you know, neither one of us were there, so you can't say of, of 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 something like definitively, no, no one died. I'm not not saying that. Um, I don't know. Could there have been people uh, that were put in the building and that died? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And I don't think that the point in uh, conducting it the way it was con- conducted was particularly to say, you know, to prevent from people having to be killed. Because I, I, don't, I don't think, I really don't think that the people who who, who operate at a certain level, I, I don't think that they're 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 really concerned about preserving human life because that, that's not the point. But the but you know, to, to put this out there. It's that okay? So, so why do you think nine eleven was a was a fake made for TV movie? Because simply, when you look into this stuff, that that is the most efficient, most effective way to get across the concepts and ideas. And and, and here's this word. Here's this term again: perception management. That to manage and mold the mind. Uh, because that that's already what goes on. That's already what we're familiar with. That's already um, that's how we're that, that's how we're instructed on history, on our, our relationship to this thing called the state, and everything else is through fiction already. So why not have something that is uh, presented as real, but at the same time, on on the flip side, it is purely one hundred percent fictional. Because we're already conditioned to respond to fictional portrayals of events and to incorporate them into our psyche as real on some level. So this is just another uh, another iteration of that very thing that we're already completely familiar with. I mean, we're just like fish in water. It's just something that's like second nature to all of us. But what was for some reason it's super difficult to accept this concept that these um, these these events that are supposed to shape and mold our culture, which they definitely do, um, are could somehow be uh, literally fictional. Yes, and I will also say too that. Um well, uh, I think the best way to, and the most simple way to, be, to put it is, I don't know if any, I don't know if people died on nine eleven, but I don't think that they did. So that's my own, that's my opinion. 
Um, I don't ha- I don't have to qualify that anymore. I just don't think that people did. And I agree with you. The most efficient way to get that whole thing done would be to fake everything. We've talked about it before. That is, is like like uh, like you said. It's not because uh, they care about life or they care about the people and they don't want to kill anybody. No, it's not that. Uh, you, you would you, you of course will have heard things. Oh, Chris. Uh, oh, so what are you saying that they would that they wouldn't resort to killing anybody? Is that what you're trying to say? Right. And uh, no, it's not that. It's not that they won't kill people. It's because in those particular instances, it's a spectacle that is stage managed, and that is the most un—that's the most least sloppy way to do it. It's—it's it's the easiest way to get it all done. When I first started listening to Chris. Uh, Three or four, what, four years ago, five years ago? I can't remember. Um, About that, yeah. 13, 14, 15, 16, yeah, four years ago. So um, I didn't, I, I thought Chris was, I, I didn't think he was out to lunch. I don't want to say that. I just didn't agree with him. I didn't agree with him or any of the other guys who were on the call. I just said, oh, yeah, this. this is a little much. This is taking a little bit far. But see, when you actually think about it and you actually, you know, uh, analyze it. You said, wait a minute. Okay. If I just, if I just put all my preconceived notions aside and look at it analytically, what is the best, least sloppiest way to pull this off? And that would be, well, yeah. Have a complete and total spectacle, fictional spectacle. That's what it is. Fake everything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, and this would be something that would be years in the making. This isn't just like, oh, you know, a couple of weeks before we planned all this out. No, this is years and years in the making. We've talked about this before, how uh, the, there's a high probability that this was, that the, and people, other people have brought this up, that, that 9-11 was planned out at the time the Twin Towers were built. Yeah, definitely. I, I believe that, sure that they were built for the purpose of having this spectacle play itself out. Well, uh, one thing that lends itself to that idea is that you got to ask yourself, why were they built in the first place? I mean, there's, there's a, there's a book that I make reference to from time to time, the divided, divided, uh, we divided, we stand that Eric Darton book, but he's not a conspiracy theorist. He's not even broaching or conspiracy theory whatsoever in the book he wrote is like 19 i think it was 1997 or something like that around that time period way before 9-11 uh where it's like yeah these essentially to kind of paraphrase or sum up what's in that book is like these were boondoggles they weren't they weren't they, they didn't reflect any kind of need for office space or anything like that they had no real utility as far as uh, what their proposed, um, it, you know, existence is like as far as like, well, well this is off, you know, millions of extra square foot of office space that um, that downtown Manhattan couldn't even accommodate, didn't even need, and it's like they were they were like uh, what he described as like white elephants, like a white elephant is something that's like it's just a financial burden on the individual that owns it. It doesn't really generate revenue. And it doesn't really, it's, it's not something that, you know, paid for itself. It's like, wait, wait. So 
So you're trying to tell me that, okay, the Rockefellers had didn't have enough real estate savvy not to make that kind of error in judgment. Now, come on. Come on. It's just like no, that's that's that is so far removed from another thing that's so far removed from reality. Oh, well, they just made a after all the wheeling and dealing they've done, you know, intergenerationally, they're going to make this huge investment in this giant uh, boondog or white elephant thing that is uh, just basically uh, a, a burdensome you know, non-investment that doesn't yield any kind of perceivable benefit. It, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that, um, that when they built it, yeah, when they built them, it wasn't, it, even at the time they were building them too. I think it talks about that, 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 that this was a bad investment from the very beginning. Yeah, but it was, David Rockefeller didn't know that. Like, he doesn't know what a good investment <laughs> is and, and not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the the guy went... Um, you, you want to talk about... Uh, we, we've talked about this before with the Rockefellers, how, how they sold Rockefeller Center, Center to the Japanese. And then when the price of the real estate went up, they were, they uh, crashed the market and were able to buy it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just say, like, it, you think an, an investment like that would be something typical of a savvy investment tycoon real that, you know, has got their elbows deep and everything, real estate and then, you know, stocks, everything else. And it doesn't, yeah, it yeah, doesn't make sense. I don't think yeah, it makes and, sense. I mean, no. Well, another thing is that, uh, and you you pointed this out. You you posted this earlier in the year. Um, you know, if we, if we you know talked about some of the little ridiculous nodes of information surrounding it, so uh, there was that uh, famous picture of all of the missing, uh, you know, the missing signs that people made. Yeah, all the flyers that were plastered all over downtown Manhattan, and um, and the like. Oh, say okay. So you would have to slip into the fake reality of the nine eleven myth in order to believe that that would actually be possible. Can you explain how that would be virtually impossible for that to be real? Well, okay, you have so supposedly these towers fell and you have, um, you know, what is the official tally? And here's your inverted 666 is 2966, official final tally on the dead. As far as I know, I don't know, it's probably different official tallies depending on where you go. But um, so, you know, you have people that they don't know really okay there's no identification of the bodies at a certain point or something like that they don't they don't they don't they don't know exactly if, if their loved one may be alive or dead okay but with that said they all get the idea at the same time to make a like a what what it would be typically resolve to like lost dogs 
which is interesting. It's like you see, have you ever seen one of those lost dog flyers that's got like the numbers on the bottom? You can pull it off. If you've seen my dog call this number, I'm sure you've seen those. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen one with like, where's my, have you seen my kid call my number? Have you ever seen one of those? I never have. I, I lost my child. If you see this child, can you call this number? Uh, I I have I have seen one with like for like missing people, but not not children. But yeah, I've seen one. I've seen stuff you know before you like to go to a gas station or some something, and it's like you know, so and so has been missing probably a runaway or something, right? Yeah, you will see those, and a lot of, like a lot of those are like some. Um, come out of that uh, center for missing persons and, and all that. Uh, but I, I, I'm talking about um, like people just kind of taking, taking them on themselves to, to, to put flyers out. I mean, what I'm getting at, is that something that somebody would instinctively do if they have uh, uh, somebody that's missing and then how effective would that be? But whatever the case, like the idea that everybody gets the idea almost spontaneously and at the same time to start posting flyers up. And then another thing too, it's like if you look at images of these things posted up on walls and stuff like that, they have, you see these odd patterns like, yeah, these all look like uh, not all of them, but like a, a good portion of them looks like they were from the same person. Like the same person that did the layout, and there's a slight variations between, and then you, you see kind of stuff like that. But yeah, it just smacks of uh, pre-planning and all that, like where it's just some coordinated operation. And then you um, you, you got to think to yourself, like, well, okay, so you you're you're launching out to post flyers for your missing loved one. It's like, okay, do you got tape? What are you going to do? How are you going to attach it? Are you going to tape it up? Or are you going to tack it up? Or or, or what are you going to do? But you see, like this, like, um, yeah, these just these odd patterns. Are like, well, well, yeah, why, why, why do, why do you see them all taped up the same way? And like all this kind of consistency throughout. Just everybody got this. Not only got the same idea, but they got the same idea how they're going to apply it, where they're going to post it, and all of this. It just doesn't make logical sense at all. And uh, well, like if you go into right. if you go into a music if you go into a music store, and say there's a bunch of bands who've got their flyers put up on like the bulletin board when you walk in the door or something, um, they all have different methods of posting it. Some are taped, some are thumbtack, some are uh, nailed, you know, whatever it may be. Even even on a um, even on a light post, you know, uh, a telephone yeah. pole or something. Like there's all sorts of different methods of of putting stuff up there, and like you're saying, they they're all doing the same thing. There's a lot of stuff with like 9/11 um, and other things too, like other instances which we've discussed where there's things in there that are so obvious that they're not obvious, if you know what I mean. Where it's like uh, like with the the fake victims pictures, right? Um, I think I think some of the people who were you know used in it uh, do have real pictures and were real people and might even really be missing, quote unquote. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then there are other victims that are composite photographs, and they, they look like composite photographs. And then you start, when, you, when you're looking through a lot of these uh, pictures of these uh, quote-unquote victims, they take on similar patterns where it's like, okay, there's like five guys in the row in a row who have like the same mustache or something. You know what I mean? Like, like it, like you said, it has, it has a pattern to it where it's like, okay, they're going with the mustache thing here, but then over here they're going with like the, the glasses thing. You know, like, these are all people with glasses. These are all people with mustaches. These are all ladies with, you know, a flower dress on or something like that. That's what, um, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like you get when you're doing a lot of this composite stuff. And like you said, with that, with that, uh, uh, with the flyers being posted up, the other thing is, is how did everybody know to go to that place to post up the flyers? Yeah, can you repeat that last part? You were breaking up there. I was saying, how did everybody know to go to that place to post up the flyers? Why didn't they post them all over the city in different spots? Why was it that one? And, and it's like they, they did that flyer post thing so that they could have the iconic photograph to throw in all the magazines and newspapers. Yeah, it's just got this really contrived air about it. And then you have to ask yourself, too, I mean, what is – the idea is that your that your missing loved one is walking around with like amnesia. I mean, if if they're at the hospital, then you know you 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 check the, if if you're thinking maybe they survived and they're in the hospital in a coma or something like that. I mean, you probably get notified from the hospital, but if you didn't, you know, you you probably check the hospital. So it's like what what the what would be the point of of a missing poster? You know, like well, have you seen this person? Are they are they, um, or, or do they just forget, you know, that they um, maybe need to, you know, get in contact with a family member or the or their wife or something like that? It's like, you know, I just kind of, you know, okay, nine eleven happened, and I'm just hanging out in downtown for a couple of days, you know, checking no, out some Chris, different pizza spots, and then I, I just forgot do. that maybe I should call home. Yeah, you were in the rubble pile. You wandered off. You're covered in dust. You're wandering around the city. You don't know what happened. You've got amnesia. You see a wanted poster of somebody that looks like you, and then you catch a glimpse of yourself in like in like a, a window, and then you realize I'm that guy on on the missing poster. And it helps you piece it all back together, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, and then I just gave someone a great idea for a movie right there. <laughs> Maybe Tom Hanks could be it'd be perfect for that role. He would. I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, he's played every other fake thing under the sun. He might as well do that. I would hope. Are, they are would you going to go see, see Sully? Uh, no, I was. Uh, I was looking at that um, the other day. Actually, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, about the Potomac River plane crash and all that. No, will I see it? No, probably not. But uh, it's Hudson. It was on the Hudson. Hudson, Hudson Mir- right. Miracle on the Hudson. Miracle, yeah, the so-called miracle on the Hudson. So the yeah. fact that they're making a movie out of it, most likely that whole thing was a uh, fake and staged for some reason. I don't, I don't know what's going to be communicated through all that. I will, I will say this that I think even before nine eleven, but since nine eleven, especially. Especially since, like, uh, they had that 
bizarre thing over Rockaway Beach, the plane that blew up or whatever. Remember that? Like, was that a week after 9-11 happened? Um, uh-huh. you, you know what I'm talking about. Like a week, wasn't it like a week later that the Rockaway Beach, some plane exploded over the, um. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. There was like a, a another plane accident. It didn't get much coverage in the media at all. Yeah. Yeah, something I think what what we see since that since that point, like I said it was happening before, but since that point is a war on travel. Get people scared mm-hmm. and then especially so when you see all these plane crashes, planes disappearing, plane thing, I mean, for the most part, generally speaking, I I don't think I've ever really as far as I know, I've never met anybody who's ever had a trouble with with their flight. Like maybe somebody had to get down because of bad weather. I've actually flown in bad weather, and it sucks and it's scary. Mm-hmm. But that's because of bad weather. Yeah. So I know the reason why a plane might have to land or plane crash because of bad weather makes sense. Um, planes disappearing, planes exploding. They don't know what the reason is. Uh, plane, you know, fear of planes, fear of the unknown. All that stuff is monstrously exploited. I mean, I have people that I've known for almost 20 years. Like, they don't want to fly. Like, they're scared of flying. Um, Probably because of media conditioning. Yeah, it's not even because of like, oh, I'm scared because I'm not sure philosophically if men should fly or not. It's not because of that. It's because, oh, if I go on this plane, I'm going to blow up. And that's yeah, what people think. Gonna get you. Yeah, some, something's going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. When it turns out flying a plane statistically is safer than driving a car. Yeah, it's all about uh, risk, uh, risk assessment, and that's one something I want to go into because I, I kind of, from time to time, I kind of go off on a tangent about this. It's that you know, people, you know, they, they make they have these perceptions about oh, with certain things being dangerous and other things like they just you know completely disregard. And I bring up the point about. Um, you know, the fact that everybody has easy access to, you know, a highly explosive flammable liquid, you know, that we put in our cars and, you know, we run our cars on it. It's something that's just ubiquitous and it's and it's readily accessible. And nobody gives it a second thought as far as its potential to do harm in the wrong hands, right? Because that's now what we're being conditioned to accept, you know, with these, these so-called assault rifles and stuff like that, that's, 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 you know, what we're being conditioned to believe that, you know, we need more restrictions on these things. We need to get these out of, you know, crazy people's hands. But, you know, it, it, I, I bring the thing up with like gasoline and another thing too, I, I just, you know, I just realized, you know, thinking about this subject too, is that, you know, John, that gasoline, will get you high 
I mean, it will get you really high. Well, yeah, that's because we, we, we were we were talking about um get hillbillies who get high off of uh, drinking turpentine and uh, fuel. Well, there you go too. I mean, yeah, turpentine fuel, yeah, gasoline. If you inhale the fumes, like um, I'll, you know, I'm not recommending you do this because it you know kills lots of brain cells and stuff, but. Yeah, you can just pour it into a cup. It's like really easy to get high on. It's super, super cheap, and um, a lot of a lot of people like like to huff gas, you know. And it's and it's and it's popular among youngsters and stuff like that. And uh, um, I remember I tried it once a long time ago when I was uh, you know around teen, teenager, you know, just just for shits and giggles, you know, snort gas. And it was like, yeah, I, I mean, it got, I didn't like it. I, I, I don't really like being high um, across the board. So, I mean, it's like, I, I didn't really, not, not my thing, you know, gat, gat, but I was high. I was definitely high, um, as high as I ever remember being on pot or anything else. And, um, you know, it, so, I mean, we're so concerned about people getting high that, you know, we're, you know, the whole state apparatus, you know, spends, you know, countless man hours and countless billions of dollars keeping people locked up, you know, all this DEA that, you know, uh, you know, SWAT team raids and everything else so that people can't get high, you know, because that's 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 supposedly something that government is supposedly, you know, highly concerned with, like, you know, preventing people from getting high. It's like. Yeah. Okay. What, what about, what about these, uh, inhalants? You know, I mean, what, what is being done about it? Cause you certainly get high on it and there's certainly no medicinal value to gasoline. So, um, and, and this is certainly a dangerous substance as far as it's, but see the point I'm, the point I'm trying to make and I'm bringing this up is that people won't even, this won't even cross people's minds in any kind of debate, gun control debate or anything like that. Or, or, or reflect on its implications or anything like that unless they're told to by the media, by the, by the, by the talk shows and, and all that. Unless they, unless they, they are conditioned already predisposed to bring these things up, people won't do it. They, 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 it won't even. So, so, um, what that tells me is that everything in the, you know, the so-called political arena and all that, it, it's 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 like an intellectual uh, um, prison where it's like there's these set debate, there's these predefined, prescripted debates that everybody partici- participates in, and nothing is interjected or introduced outside those uh, predefined, prescripted parameters that are out there, and then they're constantly being being um, propped up and um, uh, you know pre- presented and pushed out there in front of people to engage in you know this so-called uh, national conversation or whatever like that but it, it is so controlled it is so um, managed and maintained it's 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 startling it's unbelievable it's 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 just mind-blowing. Folks, do you know what it's like to have Hillary Clinton talking about you? I am in the crosshairs of the New World Order, folks. When Hillary Clinton goes, has a speech, and she's talking about me personally, 
I get chills, folks. I get chills. Do you understand what it's like to be have the eye of Sauron directly, the, the eye on top of the pyramid looking directly at you? Do you understand, folks? <laughs> I am in the crosshairs of the New World Order right now. Right now. He's probably friends with Hillary Clinton, if the truth I, is. I was just going to say, that you, you, just, you were just making a great point because it's like, if we didn't want anybody to, if if they didn't want anybody to know about Alex Jones, all you would have to do is not mention Alex Jones. But to have him be mentioned in the speech by Hillary Clinton, I mean, that's like the best thing that could ever happen. Yeah, and the alternative media is this is a sort of um, it's sort of a release relief valve. It's sort of a a way to. Um, Further manage people and get get you know ha- have another pin that's part of the overall you know this uh, what I call like a human ranch that we all live on and that you know the, and you see Jones doing the exact same thing you know he's like bringing in now he'll he'll inject he'll interject other things into the you know so called debates about you know. Uh, abortion issues and stuff like that, you know, to a certain degree that a lot of uh, uh, other, you know, so-called media outlets don't, don't do. But um, still, you know, with all the information that Alex Jones will present to someone that they probably never ran across or never even considered before. And that's um, actually, you know, uh, factual relevant, a lot of it. um, It's going to be folded over into this uh, uh, particular paradigm with the idea that uh, the state is actually a legitimate concept and that change can be brought about inside of the system and and by way of, you know, political action and, you know, getting off your rear end and going to vote for Trump or whoever it happens to be. Yeah, it's okay to put certain things out. If you notice this too, it's like it's it's perfectly well, fine and acceptable to put certain well, things out there that aren't mainstream, as long as it can be uh, interpreted within this phony left wing, right wing nonsense. Yeah, or, or the court system, because we're still waiting for the nine eleven, uh, you know, indictments. You know, Bush and Cheney and um, Larry Silverstein, Silverstein and uh, yeah. They're going to be brought up yeah. on uh, charges. Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, they're all going to be, uh, right. you know, yeah. Hillary Clinton's going to be busted for her emails. Um, eventually, Trump will see to that. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that eventually court system will handle it as well. I mean, God, Chris, you're so negative. Uh, I know. I mean, it's like I, I'm, I'm, I'm impatient too because it's only been what. Uh, so this is 2014 years, 15, 15 years, right? 15 years, 2000. Oh, oh yeah. 15 years. It's only Big. been 15 years, John. And oh, oh, one in five is six. Excuse me. One in five, it's six. One in five. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, oh, I mean, can we expect, can we really expect, you know, the, 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 you know, the court systems to be, um, you know, really that efficient. I mean, they have a lot, they have a lot of, uh, you know, seatbelt tickets and, uh, you know, expired tags and, 
uh, you know, uh, dried plant uh, cases and stuff to work on. They probably, when they get around to investigate, really investigating 9-11, then, yeah, we'll see Larry Silverstein go to jail and all that. But, uh, yeah. Well, we'll be, so we'll be there. Negative. We'll be there waiting with, you know, we'll, well, when, when they, the, the one, the one I always like to hear from uh, alternative media personalities is when those guys do a perp walk. <laughs> when Bush and Cheney do a perp walk. Do a perp walk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, no, it's, 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 uh, yeah, that's another insanity that's being pushed out there. And, you know, too, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah, I can kind of understand people thinking in that way, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, you got to look, and you don't, you don't know anything about this, probably because they don't have any familiarity with the system and how it actually works. But um, maybe that's how they get this, get this uh, totally wrong idea about actually ha- having anybody uh, ha- have to account for any of this stuff because it's just not going to happen. You know, Sandy Hook, the investigation, all that stuff. It's like, and I made the point before, I don't know who, you know, Wolfgang Halberg is. I, I don't know. I never met the man. I don't know him. But, like, uh, I, I do know something for a fact that it's like he's not going to get anywhere in in inside the court system. It's, it's just not It's just not going to amount to anything, you know. I, I do oh, know that. I know that. Yes, I agree. And that's not being negative. I'm, I, I don't feel, I don't feel bad after this conversation. Actually, I feel, feel quite liberated. I'm glad we had this conversation, Chris. Um, uh, I leave justice to be served to a higher power. Uh, I don't know who that is, but it's not of my knowledge. And on that note, I'm going to be pulling into my driveway, as I used to say, and uh, I want to bid you farewell, and I hope you have a nice 9-11 weekend. Uh, You too. Um, Are you going to go check out any of the uh, good bargains or the 9-11 sales? Yeah, I saw saw, Walmart, Walmart, uh, Mattress King or something. Yeah, Yeah, Miracle. Miracle Mattress has got a yeah. Actually, that is a pretty good deal. The two king size bed for the price of a twin. I mean, that's that's not too shabby. Well, well see, the the thing of it is, is, people are so up in arms. Oh my gosh, how dare you? Oh, oh, you know. But see, once again, it's like, is there? You know, it's like Fourth of July. It's like, does anybody put on the powdered wig and dust off their copy of the Declaration of Independence on Fourth of July? Right. So when does anybody uh, Memorial Day sales? Isn't yeah. that a slam on the people who died in the wars? But that but I mean, it's so common though. I, yeah, I mean, so it's it's like people don't really care about holidays and never really have. I mean, you can even go back and read Mark Twain complaining about people not knowing what holidays were about, right? Even back then. Uh huh. Like, yeah. You know, and and so, uh, so yeah. I mean, why why would nine eleven be any different? Plus, you don't have to sell. I mean, you don't have to remember. You know, never forget. Here's what you need to never forget: never forget that it was a big 
scam, whatever it is you happen to believe about it, never forget. It was a big scam. That's it. That's all you got to know. And um, you're going to get a better deal from Miracle Mattress than you're going to get from your government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a sale, I guess it's going on this weekend. I don't know. They probably got totally bombarded by out, outrage, folks, because it is, after all, like a it's it's like a religious uh, uh, day of religious veneration. It's kind of like this collective, yeah, this collective no, it, conscious hive mind um, religious space. Yeah, well, people yeah. love they they love like I don't know. It's it's the um, they love it's like a self righteous thing. I, I've I've been there before too. I, I know how it is. I mean, you feel kind of self-righteous and like, like that somehow this collectively happened to you. And, you know, you, you know, even if you're a 9-11 truther or something like that, you feel like you've been victimized by, you know, George Bush or something. Um, yeah, don't don't worry about any of all that stuff. Go have fun with the family. You know, go do what you would normally do and don't watch television. Uh, don't watch the footage of 9-11. Relive that moment over and over again. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. Go do what you need to do, like you would any other day of the week. Yeah, because uh, I, I don't know. Do we have a do we have a day of remembrance for you know the releasing of Independence Day film? You know, it's like oh, this is the anniversary when the movie Independence Day was released. No, it's just like a movie. Who cares? Yeah, you might watch it. Maybe that's a good. That's a good idea for 9-11 weekend plans to watch uh, the movie Independence Day. And then think of the imagery that you're being presented with. And then think of what what, what was presented <laughs> to you later on 9-11. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great point. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good. Well, if you want to have like some traditional activities to, re, to commemorate 9-11, that, that might be a suggestion. Yes. All right. So. I've got two twin towers of mashed potatoes waiting for me, so. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next time. All right, you too. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Amazing video as you're watching it now. It's not video. It's live. It's right before your very eyes. No, 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 no. We still don't know about One man who gets an extraordinary view of the impact is Stanley Brenner. He has just returned to his office from the ground floor lobby. You may wish to start an orderly evacuation. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, I'm standing up with the phone in my hand. We're fine. My coffee and bagel that I bought when I was coming up still sits there on a desk. And I'm looking towards the Statue of Liberty, the direction of, with the phone in my hand. And that's when the plane caught my eyes. And this plane is bearing down on me. I level eye like contact. I'm hypnotized standing up there. I I'm not having time to react. All I'm looking at is this plane, and it's getting bigger, bigger, bigger. Lord, I can't do this. You take over. And I dove under my desk. Yep. And cover. Hey, Bert. Come on out and meet all these nice people. Please? All right. We really can't blame you. You see, Bert is a very, very careful fellow. When there's danger, this is the way he keeps from being hurt. 
So, and like you said, you saw like the wing was wedged into the door or something like that inside the, the, the wing. The wing of the plane is the angle. If you look at the plane, the second plane coming in, mm-hmm. came straight and all of a sudden made a tilt. Yeah. That bottom wing sliced through the office and the wing was stuck wet sort of in the office doorway. And was it still attached or was it just the wing or was it, was it attached? Oh, I, I, I don't know where the rest of the plane was, but all I can see is that bottom wing of the plane stuck in there. Inside the building, still like you could still see it was like intact and all. Intact and all. Yes, that bottom wing. Hmm. The plane crashes into a steel building. It will just just break up in pieces. But its bottom wing just sliced right through and got stuck right there. Hmm. I, I don't I don't understand how. Then I may hit my head against the wall trying to explain this all, and I wouldn't be able to. Wedged into the door intact. Just wedged, right intact. Wow, that seems impossible. Yeah, it, it was something impossible in the real world. Um, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense, and I don't think anybody would take that seriously. Congress designated the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History as the country's official repository of September 11th collections. This handle belonged to John Dempsey, who's a window washer at um, the North Tower, and uh, he was trapped in an elevator uh, along with several other um, uh, people, and they found themselves when the power went off between floors. He used the handle of the um, squeegee to pry open the doors of the elevator, and they found that they were in between floors. And um, they used the squeegee and the handle to carve away through um, the drywall. And uh, when they came out the other side, they discovered that they were in a uh, men's room, I believe. They crawled out, and um, upwards of uh, five people were, were, were saved because of this common everyday implement. And we are hoping that... I know it looks a little odd right now because they lost the handle when they were cutting through the drywall. It fell through. They had to use like the, 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 the sharp bits right here to be able to say... And if you look very closely, you can still see some of the drywall is embedded on the piece that uh, that's slowly been falling off of the object so it's it's not something that um, we were able to maintain but um, you know we're hoping that such a you know <laughs> odd looking thing by itself right there um, can help people better understand that you know so many different stories happen on uh, September 11th and and even everyday items is a squeegee <laughs> surfers showed up today to battle with what's turned out to be the biggest wave to hit this coast since 1946. Hello, everybody. I'm Stu Nahan. I'd like you to meet this young man. His name? Pasquale Bazzelli. He was in the North Tower and says he rode down more than 15 stories of concrete and falling debris to make it out alive. It's the focus of a Discovery Channel special premiering tonight called The 9-11 Surfer. It was so witching, man. I'm leaving it. Everybody's talking about it, Toad. And then just felt the railing just start to shake and this loud, loud noise from above. Pull back! <laughs> dude, you got the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. And you just drop in and just smack the lip. Pull back! Uh, but I guess falling, jumping out of a plane, that feeling of just riding the, the air. Um, 
and getting knocked around and riding, you know, the, that surfing kind of feeling was what I was experiencing. Oh, drop down, snap, and then after that, you just drop in, just ride the barrel and get pitted, so pitted. Like We had no idea whether he was fire or civilian or what he, what he was. It really, I guess, really didn't matter. But the fact that we saw an individual up there after what we had climbed through in the position that he was, pitted, so pitted. it was nothing short of miraculous. The name of the documentary is, is The 9-11 Surfer. It feels like an odd word. Yes, very odd. Um... When we have animation to show this harrowing ride that you had. You were on the 64th floor, you evacuated down to the 22nd, and then fell essentially to the 4th floor. Quebec! Oh, no! The name of the documentary is, is The 9-11 Surfer. It feels like an odd word. Yes, very odd. Um, I mean, I, I've heard about the urban legends. Um, I've always read, you know, read about it, and my wife was like, "That's you, that's you," you know. And uh, but you know, just like I told the guy on ABC, danger is my business. They did a study on it, and they said that basically how I survived was probably in this pocket of air or this uplift of uh, wind, or the way I described the fall. Oh no! You said urban legend, which is, it's true. A lot, some people are skeptical. And you said if you had heard this story, you might have been skeptical as well. Of course. Uh, so I um, I couldn't even believe it myself at that point. Why don't you get a job, Spicoli? What for? You need money. Um, I mean, I had done certain small local things because uh, we started Song for Hope Foundation, tried to raise money for um, the mothers that uh, didn't make it at the time, uh, whose husbands didn't make it at the time we were pregnant. Uh, all I need is some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. And Louise, here you are at home. He had called you a couple of times. You saw that tower fall, and you knew he was inside. And uh, I was praying at the time with hope. You know, it was just a feeling of just hopeless. Um, and uh, I was praying at the time with hope. You know, to people out there, you hear it all the time. Oh, get over it, 9-11, get over it. That's ridiculous. Um, first of all, you shouldn't be telling someone else to get over it. Um. That's pretty neat. Well, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story and helping us remember today. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having really it. Thank you. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.